0: Welcome to Embrace the Grain, a photography podcast where I discuss everything photography related. I'm Sherry Christensen, and I hope you will enjoy the show. On to our next segment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's show. So, gas. Yes, gas. Gas gear acquisition syndrome. Who has it? Who has had it? Who has recovered from it? To be honest, I'm trying to get over it. So far, it's not working. Now, on the flip side of that, I have been going through my collection and deciding what needs to go. That's right. I have been selling some of this stuff off. A few things like I had two Polaroid one step close ups. They both work. I don't need two. So the big thing was pick the one that I wanted to keep, which wasn't really difficult because they were both in the same condition and they both work. So I just grabbed one off the shelf and thought, okay, now where is the best place to sell this? Now, earlier in the year, I had tried to sell my Nikon F5 on eBay. And so along came list it for free weekend. So I did. I listed it. And I put a reasonable price on it. And a few people watched the item, but nobody bid. So I took the listing down. Okay, I'm going to call that unsuccessful. And then I got doing a little research into it. And there were fees. And there were, there were just a few other things in the small print that I didn't realize were a thing when you sold on eBay. So I asked in the negative positives group on Facebook where other people had success selling and there were a lot of really great suggestions Uh, some suggested etsy and some suggested facebook marketplace and facebook groups and i thought well i already have facebook and i do have etsy but I don't use it very much. So I would try those. So I thought, I'm more familiar with Facebook, I'll try that first. So I sat down and the first thing I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some photos of this Polaroid camera, right? And this was my trial one to see if it was successful using Facebook Marketplace to sell my excess gear. So I could probably use my DSLR or to be honest for this, excuse me, my iPhone will do just what I need it to do. So I set up the table, the little table that my grandson plays at near the window so a decent light and took some photos with my iPhone of this Polaroid and then I listed it and I thought, okay, probably not going to get any hits right away, but actually I was pleasantly surprised that there was interest in the camera and it actually went right away. So that was a success. I was very pleased with that. Everything went well. Now. Another thing I insisted on was using PayPal. Now, I know there's a fee for PayPal, but I'm probably guaranteed to have a little bit better insurance of getting my money rather than going with um, e-transfer that is... um, something that is not in the US. It is a Canadian thing. And what eTransfer is, basically it is like Interact that you can do through your online banking. So I debated about whether using that or not, but there's a bigger risk because I'm selling to people I don't know. Now, if I knew the person, I would not hesitate to use an e-transfer but it ended up it was a stranger so paypal it is so yes there's a fee for using paypal but i do kind of want to protect myself while selling right and i know when i purchase anything on ebay paypal is the preferred methods, so I went that route and I'm not saying it's the best, or all of that it there's many different services out there that's just the one that I happened to choose and was most familiar with using so that was a success, and I was really happy that it went and it went quickly and I heard back from the person afterwards they were quite happy with their polaroid and in conscience i know the camera worked so i knew that i wasn't selling them junk or something like that i'm not a dishonest person so i would never sell a camera that i hadn't tested or well, i can't say that i have sold one untested camera but it was stated very plainly that it was untested um but i like to provide a couple pictures that i've taken with the camera so that the buyer can see that it's working i've sold a few on Facebook Marketplace now and through the film groups on Facebook with pretty good success. Now, I think I'm also going to explore Etsy here in the future just because my adventures in thrifting have netted me. Some duplicates and a fairly large collection of stuff that I don't love or I'm not going to use. Right? Uh, one of them is actually, I just listed it for sale. It is a Nikon L35AF. Now it's a great camera, it takes beautiful photos. I don't love using it. So I know lots of other people really, really like that camera. So what use is it if it's going to sit here on my shelf and not get used, right? So I'm going to list it and let it go. The new rule here is going to be love it or list it. So yeah, I'm slowly cleaning out some of this gear. Some stuff, I've got a couple that are not working however i know the parts on them are desirable so i may list those as well just as parts cameras because a non-working one that has a good door on it on a camera that knows that i know the door latches break on them that is going to be desirable to somebody and sitting in a box here, collecting dust is just a pain in the butt, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So I need to clean this stuff up. I've had a lot of fun with collecting them. I've uh, found a lot of new systems that I actually really, really like. One that actually quite surprised me was the Pentax K1000 now on my frugal film project I'm using the Pentax MV and it is aperture priority it's pretty basic and pretty simple to use and I liked it so I came across not one but two one thousands at good prices with extra lenses I thought I don't need two but letting them languish on a shelf and not get used is kind of a shame. So I bought them and I have shot them and I've got one that I'm going to list up here probably in the late summer because it is what you would call a student camera, right? and when do the students go back, and they're looking for this stuff? In the summer, late summer, mid-August. That is going to be the optimal time to sell that one, so I'm gonna be putting that up then. Now, there are a few other ones that have come into my possession, like I have a Yashica FX3. It is a mechanical camera, however, I'm not going to get rid of it. It was given to me for free. Just take it or I'm going to throw it out. That was their exact words, so I took it knowing it is a mechanical camera. (coughs) If the meter doesn't work, I can always Sunny 16 it. So I brought it home, and the meter does not work. There's no power to it. Everything else is fine. However, it had the um, typical of that camera peeling skin. Every time you picked it up, there were little flakes of leatherette all over the place. So messy. So I went and I shot a test roll through it, and it works. It works fine. So I replaced the leatherette. And I had a decision on that one. Should I keep it black? Or there was red, there was blue, there was lizard skin, there was all of these choices. Now, the red looked really sharp, but my favorite color is blue. And I'm just not really a lizard skin kind of girl. So I went with the blue and I was happy with the choice. It was actually Really easy to reskin. I bought the kit. But getting the old skin off was simple. And the biggest trick was lining up the new skin. But it wasn't that bad. I think in the future, I might try cutting my own. This was the first time I'd done it on this camera. That's why I bought the kit. But in the future, might try doing it on my own and uh, yeah but that one just because the meter is not working I could probably sell it but I probably won't because in conscience it's not a hundred percent working And I'm not going to spend any more money on it trying to get it repaired because blown electronics are blown electronics, right? Anyway, uh, so cameras like that, I won't sell. However, like I mentioned, the 2K1000s, they're both working perfectly. One's gonna go, one's gonna stay. I've made my choice on which one I'm going to keep. The one that I'm gonna keep actually is the one that looks the worst. Now, why? When I bought them, I didn't realize there was a K1000 SE and a K1000. So the SE that I have has a upgrade in the viewfinder. So even though the camera itself is a little more battered looking, I'm keeping that one because I can see through the viewfinder better and I've got what you would call aging eyes syndrome. So anything that I can see through better, I'm all for that. So, it makes better sense to sell just the plain, plain K1000 that looks in better shape and call it a day, right? So, yeah I'm not sure why but these things keep finding me like <laughs> at one point I had probably seven Canon rebels kicking around so I don't need seven Canon rebels I had uh, I actually I traded one for a lens it was a Russian lens, and I traded a Canon Rebel for that. It fits actually onto my Pentax 645, and uh, my friend had ended up, he had ended up with two of them instead of one. So he has a young son, and I said, hey, I've got all these Canon Rebel Rebels, and I know you shoot cannons, so you'll have a lens. Do you wanna trade? Perfect solution. His son got a camera, and I got a lens. So, yeah, I'm going to be trading and selling some of my collection, and I just need to simplify, because currently sitting on my table, there are three cameras with film in. Now one is for my frugal film project and I need to get that roll shot here in the next week or two so that one has to uh, stick around until next January and it's going to see at least one roll per month. I have a point and shoot that has some film in it and my mom found a Canon M not a Canon sorry a Pentax ME with a whole bunch of lenses at a farm auction and she got this massive bag of camera gear for 20 bucks and it's even got a pretty nifty vintage looking bag now she wants to keep this camera and I don't blame her but she asked me to test it for her to make sure everything's working. So I've got that sitting on my table at this time. And as soon as I run that through and get that developed, then that will be going back to her house. But I've noticed over time that the collection's getting too big and I'm ending up with three or four cameras sitting there with film in them on the go all the time and in reality that's just too excessive you know it's kind of silly really i can understand uh, having a couple on the go where you may choose to want to shoot color in one black and white in the other or low speed in one and high speed film in the other that is reasonable. But just having them for the sake of having them really isn't. So yeah, it's time to let some stuff go. I think I'm just going to take a little break here. And we'll be right back. Hey, are you the only film shooter in your area? Do you want to find out if you are? Well, now you can! There's a new website out there called thefilmphotographersmap.com and Ted Smith has put together a pretty comprehensive resource and best of all, it's free! Now, you do have to register But uh, on that note, when you register, you will get a welcome email. You will only get emails if someone has sent you a message or added you as a friend. Now, what is the value in joining something like this when I am the only film shooter in my area? Well, actually, I can see value in this. Because if I'm going to travel to, say, London, England, or New York City in the United States, or even Yuma, Arizona, to visit my parents, I can log on to the map and I can see who's nearby. And I can shoot them a message where's the nearest camera store? where can I buy film does anybody do film processing and another thing you know the film community itself is a fairly intimate community there is a pretty good chance if you have been active online with anything to do in the film community some of the names on this map are going to be familiar to you you could log on and if it's someone you've chatted to quite a bit you could say hey I'm coming to town do you want to get together for a coffee and go for a photo walk so yeah there's value there too and one other thing that I was thinking of now I know people do get transferred for their jobs because yes we have real day jobs right or even if you are a working professional photographer, you can uh, log on and ask people questions. Like if you were getting transferred for your job and you had to move and it's a quick and easy way to see what the photo resources in your new location is going to be. So, like I had mentioned, you can ask where to buy film, where to get it developed, uh, where the camera store is, or even if there's a repair guy nearby. So, definitely value in joining. Now, in order to see the map, I think I did mention this, you do need to register. However, that's not a big deal, or at least to me it isn't. And I think this map is... uh, pretty much the only one of its kind. Now, the site itself is new. I think it's just over a month old, to be honest. And Ted has worked very hard to put this together and like any site that is new, there are going to be improvements to be made as he goes along, right? So yes, I joined up and the site is better viewed on a computer. However, that being said, it is entirely usable on a mobile device. In fact, I registered on mobile and I viewed the site the first time on mobile and I had no problem navigating the site. So if you think this could be something that might be a benefit or value to you, don't hesitate to give it a look and let's all support ted on his website he is trying to get more people to join because a map such as this is better if it's more populated right so yeah good luck ted and i'm going to move on to my next segment oh and hey The website, again, is thefilmphotographersmap.com. Check it out. Okay, I'm moving on to the next segment now. Hey, guess what? We got our very first email. Yay! This is pretty exciting. I know somebody's actually listening. So anyway, I've got a letter here from Cass Fitzgerald. Thanks for writing in, Cass. So, Cass wrote, I was listening to a recent episode of Embrace the Grain in which you talked about cleaning the sticky rubber grip surface of a Nikon camera. I have always cleaned my F100 with sometimes Windex and sometimes isopropyl alcohol. I've never had a problem with a sticky grip. Recently, I picked up a second as-is F-100, which is sticky. It works okay after I freed up the take-up spool by spinning it with my finger. Seems to work okay now. I put the new F-100 on a tripod and I cleaned the whole sticky surface with the icy propyl and I let it dry, but it is still tacky. Now this is an early camera before the rewind fork was changed to the square style. Anyway, you mentioned using coconut oil as a finishing step. What does the coconut oil do? I had thought about using a talcum like I use on inner tubes, but thought the oil may be better for non-slip surface, as ironic as that sounds. I tend to carry my cameras without a strap, and I hardly ever drop one. Does the oil dry well? Or does it leave the rubber slick? Those are good questions, Cass, and I'm glad you hardly ever drop a camera. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, all joking aside, um, so coconut oil, why coconut oil? So I guess the best way to describe this is have you ever removed a sticker from an object or a label, and afterwards the label's gone, the stickers gone, but when you pick it up, you can feel it, it's sticky on there. So I have used coconut oil in the past to remove that. So I thought if it worked on that and never left any uh, stickiness, slipperiness. Etc. afterwards, why wouldn't it work on a camera, right? So this was trial and error. So I gave it a whirl. And the secret to it is coconut oil is a solid. So you dip your finger in the jar, right? And you get out just a little bit on your fingertip and it will liquefy with the heat of your finger so it makes it extremely simple to apply a very small amount versus a liquid oil where you're going to have this stuff running all over the place right um, so the secret also to using oil to get rid of the stickiness is once you've applied your oil it is a must to buff it afterwards with a uh, cloth rag or a paper towel anything of your choice really and that is to remove the excess oil off of the object Um, if you don't do that yes it could be slippery but uh, not for long because eventually it would come off on your hands or whatever but if you buff it it's not going to be slippery it's also not going to be sticky afterwards and that is what you're looking for right um i never thought of using a talcum but i'm not sure that would um be a permanent solution and the coconut oil seems to i haven't had it come back the sticky it seems to actually i've had had one that's been going on a year and the stickiness hasn't hasn't uh, returned so yeah it won't leave it slippery give it a try what are you out if you find it doesn't work for you and hey Enjoy your new F100 cast. They're a terrific camera. Hey everybody. So I've had a question over on Instagram in direct message. And it is from Wyatt on film. That's Junior Wyatt. And if you haven't checked out Wyatt on film, You should, he's got some pretty awesome photos over there. Anyway, what Junior writes, he says, Hi Sherry, listen to your recent episode and you mentioned using a microfiber cloth when the negatives are ready to hang and dry. Is there a certain technique you use and only one wipe? Great questions, Junior. So, um, first... I'm going to stress when using a microfiber cloth on your negatives, ensure that it is one for glass. Very important for glass. The microfibers for glass are lintless and they won't streak. And as for a certain technique, no, not really. Basically, the same technique you would use if you were using a squeegee or your fingers to get off the excess moisture when you hang your negatives. Now, I know some people just hang their negatives and let them go. However, I know in my water it's quite soft and there is just a little bit of sodium in it. So if I just leave and I've tested this if I just leave it to dry I can get water marks so I need to wipe my negatives when I'm done and also be gentle be very gentle you don't want to be aggressive and scratch or leave streaks or what have you and like I said if the microfiber for glass is good enough on my windows and my eyeglasses and doesn't scratch or leave streaks it should be perfect for your negatives now you can pick these up in the dollar store Uh, if you wear glasses you probably already have one that you use to clean your glasses with but I get the ones from the dollar store that use on my windows and such because they're just a little bigger And another thing, uh, if you're going to go the microfiber cloth route and after a while they do need cleaned, so it's very important to wash them in hot water with just laundry detergent. No fabric softeners. Fabric softeners have oil. You don't want to be introducing oil to uh, your film negative even, I know, um, Tide Pods have fabric softener in them, Um, just plain, doesn't even have to be expensive detergent, just plain cheap soap, and give it a good wash with hot in your washing machine, and hang it to dry, don't put it in the dryer, and that's all, nothing special to using it, No special techniques, just the same technique used with the squeegee. Great question, Junior. Thanks for writing in. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to get in touch, you can drop me a line on email at embrace the grain podcast at gmail.com or you can find me over at Instagram and see some of the stuff I've been talking about on the podcast at embrace underscore the underscore grain. Or just to see what I've been shooting, I'm on Instagram at ruralroot1film. Or you can check out my website, rr1photography.com. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Bye.